Hello, hi, and welcome back to the Daily Bible Reading Show. Uh, let's look at Job uh, chapter 7. Has not man a hard service on earth, and are not his days like the days of a hired hand? A hired hand. That's how he describes his life, um, his service before God is something that is um, really, really difficult in a hard service on earth. And I guess this is a reflection on God as his boss, I guess. And he's saying that God, you know, you haven't been a very good boss. You haven't been very fair to me during my service before you. Yeah, uh, verse 2, like a slave <laughs> who longs for the shadow. So he wants something that is ethereal, that escapes him. He longs for the shadow and like a hired hand who looks for his wages. Uh -huh. So he compares wages to the shadow. So um, looking forward to the pay, something that makes this hard work, this hard service worthwhile, you know. And so you imagine, you know, someone complaining about their job. You know, at least they could say, well, at least the pay is worth it, that kind of thing. Or, you know, their perks or, um, you know, they have a nice office, that kind of thing. That is not, that is not Job's life. Um, he's looking forward to this wage and it's actually like the shadow, you know, that escapes him. And it seems as if this, job, this life, this service before God is pointless. It isn't worthwhile. It's just so hard. <laughs> Actually, you know, I'm thinking about Bible college, you know, writing essays is just so hard. Oh, yeah. But at least, you know what, when it's done, it's done. Yeah. And, and by the way, that's why I'm reading Job. I'm preparing to write an essay on Job. Uh, verse 3, <laughs> sorry if any of my lectures are watching. Verse 3, so I am allotted months of emptiness and nights of misery are apportioned to me. <laughs> when I lie down, I say, when shall I arise? But the night is long and I'm full of tossing till the dawn. So, wow. Okay. So months of emptiness. Uh, it seems very pointless. So not just hard. But, you know, why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, I hate this life. I hate this job. And there are these nights of misery that God has kind of like assigned to him. And he says the night is really long and it's like tossing all day till dawn. And that's interesting because, you know, you, you, you've worked the whole day. Yeah, you know, you, you're doing this hard uh, service before God. It's not cushy. It's not in an office. And you would think at night you sleep like a baby but he's tossing and turning and he's actually asking when shall i arise he's actually looking forward to the next day when there is more hard labor so what's going on well you know how sometimes you know stay up at night just thinking about problems and just alone in your thoughts it just haunts you you know it's almost like saying thinking about the problem is worse than the problem itself <laughs> Brainy people have that kind of problem. Theologians have that kind of problem. When you think about it, it just gets worse and worse and worse and you can't sleep. And that's, that's kind of like Job's position. You know, he's thinking about this problem of suffering. 
and it's, it's it doesn't make sense. Yeah, he can't sleep. He just I'd rather just face another day of suffering than think about the suffering even more. Yeah. Um, verse five: My flesh is clothed with worms and dirt. Yucks! You know, imagine, you know, your skin caked with dirt and worms. Ugh, so icky. And my skin hardens and breaks out afresh. You can feel the itch of these verses. And um, yeah, remembering that Job was afflicted from head to toe with sores. So maybe that's what he's describing. At verse 6, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and come to their end without hope. So um, there's no point to his life. Again, empty, just goes by. You know, what day is it today? And I guess um, it's like he is in a daze because of his suffering. Yeah, yeah. Um, no difference from today, from tomorrow, from yesterday. You know, it's just suffering, 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 slog, slog, slog. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Uh, verse 7, remember uh, that my life is a breath. My eye will never again see good. The eye of him who sees me will behold me no more. While your eyes are on me, I shall be gone. So I'll talk about the eye. You know, he says that my life is like a breath. It's just going to go by really quickly. And I don't think I'll ever see another good day. And yet he says, your eye is on me. Now that's really interesting. He talks about God watching everything that's happening to him. As if to say, hey, God, you, you know what's going on, right? In fact, you can see me right now, right? He said, your eyes are on me, and then I shall be gone. And that means that everything he is saying here is not just a complaint about God, but to God. It's almost like a prayer. You know, hey, God, what does this mean? So it's not just venting his frustration. He's praying He's praying his frustration, he's praying his fears before God. And that means, you know what, um, this is an insight into a believer's angst and suffering and prayer before God. That's really interesting. I wonder if you pray this way. Uh, why God? You know, is this going on? Sometimes you don't even need to be a Christian to, to pray that kind of prayer. It's almost the most basic prayer that everyone instinctively says, no, why God is this happening to me? Mm. Um, uh, let's see, verse 9, as the cloud fades and vanishes, so he who goes down to Sheol, goes down to hell, does not come up. He returns no more to his house, nor does his place know him anymore. So uh, talking about his end as a real end, you know, nothing, you know, that's it. You know, he's just going to end up there. And it's not describing as a place that's so painful, but a place that's so pointless. He returns no more to his house. His place doesn't know him. He's just forgotten. Uh, when he's gone, he's gone. And there's no one to remember him. Yeah, no significance after all this toil, all this suffering. Um, that's just it. That's the sum of his life. Yeah. Uh, verse 11, therefore, I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Now, now do you see? It makes sense, right? That's why he's 
kind of like making a fuss now because when he's gone, you know, no one's going to notice anymore. It's not going to count. And therefore, while he still has this opportunity, even though he's speaking before people who don't believe him, you know, who are going to attack him for his words, you know, I can't help it. I have to say my piece. I have to speak what's inside my spirit, what's inside my soul, all this bitterness, all this anguish. He puts into the words, he speaks it before God. Interesting. And I think the rest of the, yeah, it looks like he's speaking before God, verse 12. Am I the sea or a sea monster that you set a guard over me? Kind of like, you know, imagine a sea monster, something very terrifying. You know, okay, better watch it. <laughs> he might hurt someone or something powerful like the sea and the waves. And that makes sense. You know, if God um, wanted to make sure that uh, he wanted to contain the destruction of the sea, he said, I'm just a guy. God, I think this is overkill. <laughs> what you're doing to me, all this suffering. Uh, it, uh, what's going on? What's going on? Yeah. Verse 13, when I say my bed will comfort me, my couch will ease my complaint, then you scare me with dreams and terrify me with visions so that I would choose strangling and death rather than my bones. Oh, wow. So he says, you know, again, talking about sleep, but this time he, he thinks, you know, maybe if I can just sleep it off, you know, my bed will comfort me. Or, you know, after a good night's sleep, you know, I feel better in the morning. <laughs> and what happens is God scares him with dreams. Oh, wow. Again, it sounds very cruel. Um, it might be describing how his brain works, you know, how he's thinking about th these things. Some people overthink about stuff. But for him, he says, all these thoughts are not my own. They come from you. And these dreams, these visions, now, I don't want to think about it, but you're causing me to process my suffering and you're scaring me with these dreams and visions. You know, I, I'd rather choose... Oh, strangling and death <laughs> than, than my bones. Wow, okay. That's why, um, I don't know, does he want an answer? In which case, um, that's why he's praying. Or does he want to not think about things anymore? I think he's oscillating between the two. You know, he figures that, you know, God has caused this. And, you know, he doesn't know why. And only God does. And that's why he's praying these um, difficult thoughts that he has. But on the other, he's saying, you know, God, I just want you to hear me in such a way that you just end it. Whether it's ending my suffering or even ending my life, that kind of thing. Again, he's verbalizing his angst. But either would be better than just leaving him stuck where he is right now. Verse 16, I loathe my life. I would not live forever. Leave me alone for my days are a breath. What is man that you make much of him and that you set your heart on him, visit him every morning and test him every moment. So uh, for some reason, you know, um, Job in particular, but I think human beings in general are a target of God. You know, um, what is man that you make much of him? Uh, there is a psalm, oh boy, uh, um, Psalm 8, 
<laughs> what is man, the son of man, um, and then you set him over creation over the just uh, made just under the angels, something like that. Um, I maybe I should look it up. Yeah, Psalm eight. Um, ta -da -da. Yep. Okay. Verse four. What is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You're giving him dominion. You put all things under his feet, and all the beasts, the sheep, the ox, and the birds. And then he praises God. How majestic is your name? And that's Psalm eight, just talking about how God has elevated us above creation. And that's. Um, that's something very humbling. That's something that causes us to praise God's name. Job takes that thought and twists it on his head. You know, what is man that you make much of him, but then you test him every moment? You know, meaning uh, God is interested in man, but in such a way that he's constantly throwing all these tests, all these trials at him that he cannot withstand. And Job is now experiencing one such test, one such gaze of God. And he says, verse 19, how long will you not look away from me, <laughs> nor leave me alone till I swallow my spittle? Yeah, um, he's always asking God to you know, not be as God anymore. I don't think so. I think, I think he's saying that he acknowledges that God is God and God has this particular interest in him but it's costing him so much. It's, it's, it's a walk of faith that is too much to bear. Yeah. Um, how much more? Oh, two more verses. Let's just read till the end. Verse 20, if I sin, what do I do to you, you watcher of mankind? Why have you made me your mark? Why have I become a burden to you? Why do you not pardon my transgression and take away my iniquity? For now I shall lie in the earth. You will seek me but I shall not be. It's interesting. So he continues on talking about God targeting him, you know, making me your mark. Why have I become a burden for you? But then just towards the end, he slips in this question, why, why, why? And then why do you not forgive me? Why do you not pardon my transgression and take away my iniquity? And this is more than saying, oh, I admit it, you know, God, I deserve this, you know, but it's more than that. He's saying, why haven't you saved me yet? It's as if he knows God, not just as holy and right and true and judge over mankind, but the God whose very essence in his godness is to forgive transgression, to take away sin. As if that's the very definition of God's relationship with us as human beings. He looks upon us, he sees our sin, yes, and yes, he judges it out of his holiness and his justice and perfection. But out of his love, out of his mercy, God takes away our sin and forgives us. Uh, and he says, why haven't you done that yet? <laughs> you know, and, and always implying that maybe God is always doing this every day. He sees it, and that's the only reason why no one else is going through the kind of intense suffering that Job is. But Job says, why haven't you done this for me? And if you don't, no, one day I will not be here anymore for you to gaze upon. You will seek me, but I shall not be. So yeah, that's Job chapter 7. Very reflective.
of his angst and his frustration inside. He feels as if he's been targeted by God unfairly. By the end of it, he says, you know what, God, I need your forgiveness. Why haven't you forgiven me yet? And this is um, so much insight of someone who really understands the heart of God. And even in his questions and even in his cry for help, there is prayer. There's a recognition of God's nature to forgive, to forgive those whom he loves. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you that you have forgiven us and help us not to take it for granted. Help us not to wait for those dark and difficult days to cry out for this forgiveness that makes even this relationship possible. Thank you that it is Jesus on the cross that um, makes this a reality and such an assurance. Thank you that he cried out on the cross that we can now praise you as your people and as your children. Pray this in Jesus' name.